Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. I'm sure you'll be able to find someone else, and he slams the door in your face. I told you, he sucks. Genevieve and Percy found what they were looking for and turned and saw this horrible humanoid but hunched over and short with a huge head and claws covered in blood creature scuttling after them at rapid speed. Yeah, the, the rest of the campaign is about the normal daily lives of artists in Paris. <laughs> you hear other people just being eviscerated and just like, not my problem. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> her first instinct is to step in front of Percy, pull out her gun, and just like all the times she practiced at her boarding school. What kind of boarding school did you go to? As it's going over him, he just reaches up and makes two quick cuts with his knife right at its at the top of its legs where it meets the body. Oh my god, did you kill it? Oh, how oh, horrifying up close. But wow, Monet was really spot on. I would love to taunt Monsieur Brio. Uh, well, sir, I, I believe I have some bad news. We found your dog. <laughs> And I think your intuition, Percy, is telling you that there is not wine in those casks. That there are more of these things sitting in the middle of the room. Oxford, England. February 6th, 1894. Genevieve Vanderbilt felt light on her feet as she entered the dark room on the campus of Oxford University carrying several glass plates prepared for photo development. Genevieve was more than halfway through her first year of medical school at Oxford, and she was happier than she'd ever been. She was in her element here, and for someone who always felt out of place, always felt as though she either stood out too much or not at all in any room she was in, the experience was life-giving. Photography was just a hobby for Genevieve, but it was one she excelled at, and one that had become easier the more she'd worked at it so much so that she was able to reflect on her year as she prepared the plates for development. She was top of her class, she was sure. Medicine felt like something that came more easily to her than others. She was away from the oxymoronic, overbearing absence of her parents, who had always felt like they were there in the room with her, though they never were. She had even managed to sign on to work at the local morgue, taking photos of the recently deceased for the coroner in exchange for lessons during the autopsies. Things were simply going right for her. As she moved around the dark room, almost by habit at this point, not bothered by the lack of light, she pushed down any feelings that her time here at Oxford was fleeting. She still worried about Percy, but he was safe for now, finishing out his time at boarding school, and she felt confident that she'd convinced him to join her at Oxford, or at least nearby, once he was finished. She knew that she'd never be able to let him set out on his own, but if she could just make sure he stayed close to her, perhaps things would be alright, and she'd be able to stay. But she wouldn't think about that now. Genevieve went through the process of developing the photos she'd taken, daydreaming of a life that she'd always hoped for, and now felt like she had. This time, the daydreams weren't out of reach, as long as she could keep a tight grip on them. But those daydreams slipped away in an instant, when she adjusted the lighting in the darkroom so that she could look at the photos she'd developed. Up above her, suspended so that they could dry, were two photos she'd taken in the morgue. Both featured bodies of the recently deceased lying out on a table ready for autopsy, or at least they had featured the bodies of the recently deceased when she'd taken them. But now, as she stared at them, barely able to breathe and doing everything she could to keep herself from running, they had changed. Remarkably, the photos were tinted as if the scenes depicted had sheens of color splashed across their view. One green, 
and one red. But the color was not what unsettled Genevieve, was not the reason these images appeared in her nightmares for years to come. Rather, it was the identity of the corpses laid out on the table that haunted Genevieve from the moment she saw them. On the left, tinted with green, was a photograph showing her brother, Percy, lying unmoving on the coroner's table. And on the right, tinted in red, was Genevieve herself. characters wanted to do was have a lovely day at the park all francis anderson wanted was to just invite some friends to the park have a nice day alphonse made all of his best sandwiches exactly and somehow cheese (laughs) and somehow some way the city of paris is under threat again um but before we before we dive back in if each of you, as people, not as characters, if each of you as, as players, were going to spend a day just relaxing, be having a few drinks, chatting with friends, would you want it to be at a park, at a beach, in like a screened-in porch, or um, around a like a around a fireplace? Ooh, mm-hmm. beach. <laughs> Everyone else seemed like they were having a hard time, so I... we had a decisive answer. <laughs> Always the beach for me. Fair enough. I mean, I was gonna say as long as it ends with like you know a creature viciously maiming someone, <laughs> and then I have to like, figure out where the creature came from. Like you know, it doesn't matter where I start. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I'm gonna say. Or the options: park, beach, fireplace, were or like or a screened-in screened porch. porch. I feel like that's Ooh. a Midwest thing, maybe, but like, yeah, I don't know. Or in, or like a Southern thing. Like, I feel like we had a screened-in porch when I was growing up. Like, Love a screened-in porch. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you're yeah. kind of outside, but you're you don't have to deal with the bugs so much. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that does sound good. I do like I do like <laughs> a porch. I like a porch hang because it just suggests that like. Yeah, you're safe from the bugs, you're enjoying the warmth, but it's like, if you have to go to the bathroom, like, you're attached to a house. Like, I don't have to go hunting around for it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a sweet spot. Okay, so you're, you're team screened in porch, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of torn between team screened in porch and team fireplace. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, weather dependent, you know, screen in porch in early February or something. <laughs> it feels a little different. I, I think I'm, I'm a, in June, well, yeah, because yeah. beach in early February also. Like, it, I think I'm assuming I'm assuming that it's that it's we- an, a weather appropriate hang in whatever place you're you're in. Oh yeah, that's tough. I think I'll have to go with the fireplace then. Okay. It's so cozy yeah. and nice. Mm-hmm. I think I'm also team fireplace for that reason, right? Like, I love a screened in porch. Like, my tiny apartment actually 
has one and like really? it is so small wow. it is barely the size of a yoga mat and i love it <laughs> but like i don't know there is something about when you're chilly but you have these extra mm-hmm. comforts one of here's my like this this week's <laughs> anecdote about my aunt um so this is aunt susan the one that used to be in west virginia okay um, charleston and uh, yes charleston. And so <laughs> the literally charleston, you know virginia. that one and she makes the cheesecake right she makes the cheese see yeah, okay. you all know me aunt susan i love this i uh, hope you're listening so we're gonna quiz you on emily's aunt <laughs> exactly um but one Thanksgiving, like, not only she had this old house at the top of a hill that was falling apart, it was not in great shape, but it was old and it was beautiful and it was drafty as hell. And one Thanksgiving, she always would have her her fireplace going and she brought down, she had these like wedding present silver goblets wow. and she polished them up and she put eggnog in the goblets and we sat around the fireplace and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the best it's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like wow. a king in front of the fireplace, sipping out of my goblet. It was pretty good. So like, Amazing. I'm, I'm always chasing that. I'm always chasing that feeling again. <laughs> Trying to get that fix, that fireplace yeah. fix. Is, egg, is, is eggnog the drink that you would choose um, for your it's fireplace It's a little unusual. Um, and, you know, I will admit, like, I don't like fancy eggnog. And I actually don't even like spiked eggnog. I, like, just pour it out of the carton that you bought okay. at the grocery okay. store. I do love a good eggnog um, <laughs> for that specific definition of eggnog. Yeah, so so in your ideal, it's it's around a fireplace <laughs> in a drafty house with a blanket and a gob- a silver goblet of eggnog. <laughs> I mean, obviously, each person around the fireplace can choose their own. Sure, but sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I might go with that eggnog, depending like if I'm feeling festive. Chris, what are you what are you drinking around the fire? Yeah, I, I mean, this is I'm going to sound like the sleepy time tea bird, but like a, a big mug of tea, probably like chamomile tea or something. That sounds amazing. Love it. Love it. Lindsay, screened in porch drink? Oh, screened in porch drink. Um, I'm going to say if it's cooler weather, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like kind of like a mulled cider Ooh. situation. Love that just feels okay. very yeah. nice. And if it's warmer weather, I'm going to go with like, um, you know, like a little Moscow mule kind of mm. scenario. Yeah, nice. you know? Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. You can paint a lot of different scenes with these yeah. drinks, for sure. <laughs> uh, Lily, be- beach drink? Well, first of all, I am just appalled that everyone else has chosen the cold. Because <laughs> that is just horrifying <laughs> Screen in porch does not have to be cold. It can be warm. But she started with colder weather. Yeah. So clearly that was her preference. I'm just <laughs> Well, fault. But um, on my beautiful sunny day on the beach, <laughs> I I would choose a nice cold sour beer, Love like that. A, a nice sequence. Nice. Yeah, yeah. A nice sequence. That's the perfect one. Love that. Love that. So here's the thing about me: <laughs> I get very uncomfortable very easily. Yeah. Um, you know, this is. Same. I just. I just. I know this about myself. I have to accept this about myself. Being outside, either on the beach or in a park, I'm just going to be uncomfortable. Like, on the beach, it's probably too hot. There's no shade. (laughs) Sand. Sand. In the park, there's no... I can't sit on grass. I I just can't do it. (laughs) Could be bugs. It's Uh, Yeah, I don't want the bugs. I don't want to sit up against a tree. I don't really want to sit on Mm. a blanket either. It's just just not very Uh comfortable. And so that only leaves me the screened-in porch and the fireplace, right? And the thing about the screened-in porch 
is the furniture that you can have in a screened-in porch, because it has some exposure to the elements, is naturally more uncomfortable than the furniture you can <laughs> have in a room with a fireplace. Like a nice leather sofa in the fireplace room sure. is just so much more appealing. The other thing is I'm, I'm, uh, I don't love uh, small talk. I'm like, I don't know, people wouldn't actually, I don't think people would describe this, describe me in this way, but like, I'm a little awkward, like I feel it in my head. And like, <laughs> a nice old fashioned will like, one old fashioned will like break that down <laughs> so quickly um, for me and I'm not, then I'm not in my head. So fireplace, leather couch, old fashioned. That's what I'm doing. Nice. <laughs> Love it. That's interesting. That's like the key to your your sweet spot there. I also oh, yeah, I, like I drink before every episode. No. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also like that you had these questions. And you're like, all right, and here's what makes me angry about all of these <laughs> <laughs> Here's why all of your choices are, are wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I I like your point about the park, though, because I, I love the park. I think it's fantastic. I love to walk in the park. But, like, the I'm going to go sit and hang out in the park for a long time <laughs> is, like, it always sounds better than it ends up being. Mm, because oh, once yeah. you're there for more than, like, an hour or something, if you have to go do anything, suddenly it's difficult. Unless you yeah. have an incredible park where there are, like, bathrooms everywhere mm -hmm. and stores and whatnot, which <laughs> I don't. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's always like there's a there's a time limit on there. You you bring up a really interesting point too, Chris, because I need to revise my original statement. Ooh. I don't <laughs> like sitting and being uncomfortable. I love huh. to walk. I will go out and walk for mm -hmm. for sure. a lot the of time. The entire length of for, Manhattan. For my 30th birthday, <laughs> I walked from me and other people walked from the top uh, of Manhattan Ooh. to the bottom and it was 22 miles. Like I mm -hmm. I'm down to walk. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm sitting, I want to be comfortable. Fair. I get very fidgety, especially if yeah. there are things that are making me uncomfortable. I'm very comfortable sitting on the beach for hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Just leave me there all day. <laughs> Just to absolutely bake in the sun. Yes. Sounds yeah. so well, And every, every like hour or so, I'll go jump in the water when I get hot and then come back and then I'll be cool for like 30 minutes and then I'll bake for 30 and then I'll go back in the water. It's perfect. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I'm just too scared of the things that live on beaches. I don't I don't want to touch a fish. I don't want to like step on a crab. I don't I don't need any of that in me or around me mm. or next to me. <laughs> Or it's too much. Just some of the many things that make the beach a terrible place. <laughs> Sand in your bits. It's no good. Oh, all right. So um, <laughs> unfortunately for your characters, you had to leave the, the <sighs> semi-comfort of the park and, and go on this journey. And so you thought your day was starting out well. You, uh, you got to meet Claude Monet and Alfred Sisley. You got to paint with them a little bit. You got to hang out. Uh, but quickly, that was shattered by uh, a scream, the discovery of an arm in the Seine, and uh, the pretty quick discovery that some sort of creature, uh, some sort of something, was terrorizing the Nuyi neighborhood in Paris. Um, and so you really decided to uh, investigate, somewhat, somewhat compelled by visions that each of you had that kind of connected the arm to something strange that uh, has been happening to you recently. You canvassed the whole neighborhood. 
You talked with the you talked with a doctor, Doctor Landry, at the morgue. You uh, found a uh, a dead uh, groundskeeper at the at the English uh, church, and eventually found you also um, you also found who the dead body was, a young man named Fernand Rubo, and found his journal, uh, which told you that he seemed to have been he seemed to have fallen in love with. Uh, a woman he calls the Duchess, a, a, a mysterious woman he calls the Duchess, and that's why he went looking for this creature because he thought the creature would lead him back to the Duchess, and that there were three other men who seemed to be searching for this creature uh, as you were. And where you are now is that you, uh, the the Vanderbilts, Percy and uh, Genevieve Vanderbilt, the fighting Vanderbilts. Yes, the fighting <laughs> Vanderbilts were were confronted by this creature in the park um, and were able to bring it down as Francis and Rose were following those three men, followed them back to uh, Brio and Sons Wine Importers, um, which is owned by one of the men, Jules Brio. And Francis thought she smelled the strange smell of this creature coming from inside the warehouse. So you tried to get in, tried to pretend to be clients. You had the door slammed in your face. And so, uh, after discovering that the Vanderbilts had killed this creature, you cut off the legs of the creature and brought them to Jules Brio and confronted him with them. And he acquiesced. He let you into the warehouse. And right when we left you, Percy, your intuition told you that these large 60-gallon casks that are, that are sitting in the middle of the warehouse, a little out of place, normally casks would be at at the vineyards, and then they would transfer the wine to bottles and put them in crates before sending them to the importer. You just have a feeling that in the 11 casks that are sitting in the middle of the room, there are 11 more of these creatures in the casks. And that is where we are going to pick back up. And so, Percy, I think this is coming to your head, but no one else, I think, realizes this uh, right here at this moment. And, Hmm. you know, I think Jules is kind of ushering you in and saying, you don't, you don't understand. It's, I didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. What exactly does that mean? I have to, a few years ago, my sons died. I had two sons. They were meant to inherit the family business, and they died within a year of each other. The first one died of consumption. The second in a boating accident. You don't know what that does to a man. You don't know what that does to someone's psyche. I was in the absolute depths of despair. And then I heard people talking about a book that could offer me something. Cosmic understanding, they said. Well, if if I wanted anything, I wanted to understand why my sons had been taken away from me. So I sought this book out. It was a play called The King in Yellow. I found it. I read it. And my head spun. I, I fell into a sleepless, disordered state. Everyone roll me a sense trouble test and let me know if you want to spend any points on it. Oh, no. <sighs> And this is in addition to Percy's intuition here? Yes, this is in addition to that, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, I'll spend one. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll. Six. Sorry, okay. sorry. Nice. Five plus one is six. Got it. All right. Um, how about Genevieve? I'm not going to spend anything. Okay. I rolled a three. Okay. Francis? I'm going to spend two. Okay. What do you think that amount. represents for you? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I think it's, it's that my, I've already been sensing trouble here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just that like already everything is kind of zinging. Um, so I'm just that much more aware of what's going around. Okay. Uh, that's five plus two is seven. All right. And then what about you, Percy? Um, I'll spend one. Okay. So I rolled a six plus one is seven. Okay. So nice. I think Genevieve, you're kind of taken in by this story. You know, maybe you maybe you feel some empathy for the first time in your life uh, <laughs> for this man, <laughs> and it shocks her to her core. <laughs> it's a hell of a story for this man who I hate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but the other three of you, he's telling the story, and he seems absolutely genuine. He seems like he's this is really the truth of what happened, but he keeps kind of looking up over your shoulders behind you. Uh-oh. And I think at the same time, all three of you remember that the two other men that were with him, you didn't see when you walked in here. Mm. Oh. And you turn around and the two of them have cudgels raised <gasps> over their heads and they look like they're about to slam them on your heads. Oh! And so we're going to go into combat. Oh, no. Well, that is wow. exceptionally rude. Okay. <laughs> we brought you the arms of the thing you were looking for. That is so messed up. <laughs> you tell Just him. to be clear, Percy is the only one who has this intuition about the... Uh... Yes, the, the barrels. Yeah, the, the wine barrels. So that's just sort of looming out here. Yes, for yes. After we how do you think? How do you think? How do you think you're feeling about that at this moment, Percy? Oh, not great. One of them was a lot. Eleven of them is quite a lot. <laughs> a, a whole lot. <laughs> how close are we standing to these casks? Um, I mean, it's a pretty big warehouse in there in the middle. So, like, it's not like you're right up against them. Okay. So if these men with cudgels were to, like, miss us, they're not going to... No, 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 they're not the going to... No. <laughs> okay. It's going to suck if we, uh, you guys beat off the terrible monster and then we die because of some street thugs. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. The common man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, Genevieve, I'm going to give you a minus one penalty on your check here um, because you were caught unawares. Um, So just keep that in mind when you decide how much you want to spend. I also want to say make sure everybody checks any cards that they have uh, to see whether this um, is affected at all by that. Either positively or negatively. Anybody have anything that's going to affect this? Nope. I have Um, no cards at the moment. Sitting pretty. I don't think so. I mean, I I have Absinthe Game which is plus one to test that disadvantaged Camilla are her operatives. But I don't think that these are her operatives. Mm-hmm. Well, I will let you know well, whether that's I'm true not, oh, sorry. <laughs> that's I think me. they are because Guessing the other that. creatures were, because I was able to discard mine. So oh, we okay. know that those, right. the creatures with the legs were. I'll let you know whether that's mm-hmm. true or not as we, okay. uh, as we move along here. And Genevieve, <laughs> do you have any cards? No, because I discarded that one. Okay. All right, so the first thing that we're going to do here, as always in combat in the Yellow King RPG, is define your objective. Um, so I'm going to run through these relatively quickly since we've uh, already done combat in here, and then we can, if you need clarification on anything. And remember that you all have to agree, so you can discuss what you want to do. Uh, so the first one is kill. Second one is render helpless. The third one is gain surrender. And I do think in this situation, some of these that maybe with the creature were a little similar, um, you know, because you're dealing with people who are um, 
what's the uh, what's the word? Um, sentient. Fallible? Yes, that's the word. <laughs> sentient. Uh, yes, <laughs> our sentient. Uh, you may be able to. They, they the distinguish the the differences may uh, be more distinct. Yeah. Um, so kill, render helpless, gain surrender, uh, beat up, uh, which is thrash your opponents and walk away, leaving them badly hurt but not dead. Uh, block, stop them from moving past you. Drive away, keep fighting until everyone on the other side retreats. Escape, uh, you could escape yourselves. Uh, escape with a captive, grab a, mem- a member of the opposing force and flee. Uh, gain an item, overrun, which would be forcibly moving through a group of opponents attempting to block you, or everyone's favorite, topple, uh, which probably does not apply <laughs> here. Um, so what do you all think you want to, what, what is your objective in this combat as you realize that these, um, these two muscly men are uh, threatening you with cudgels? My first thought is gain surrender. I was thinking the same thing. Same. Yeah. Because it's not about maneuvering. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to, like, know what... We want to, like, know more about, like, their situation, right? Yeah. It's like, so as long as we, so like... So we might be able to question them or something. Yeah. Wait, so is, is Jules Brio fighting or is just these two guys? Uh, he is going to fight. He's going to pull out a cudgel as well. <gasps> mm. Wow. How rude. These guys. Know, he is rude. Not as sympathetic to these two guys <laughs> who are randomly drawing I cudgels mean, ready to beat the living daylights out of us. Plus, they're peasants. So. <laughs> and they are peasants, right? So, no the sympathy. And again. <laughs> I mean, I don't mm. think it's about sympathy. Surrender means they are at our mercy mm-hmm. and we can make them talk. She said threateningly. And it's like, we want to know the end of his story, right? Like, we want to know what Jules is like. Like, why are you involved in this, like, gremlin thing? And partially that, like, we're not, like, if we're determined to kill them, that would require us to fight harder, possibly. Like, it might be easier to gain surrender. It's not like we're we're doing it out of mercy. It might just be, like, you know, that might be the easier thing to do. Yeah. Plus, I like I that. <laughs> I and also, just maybe we're people. not murderers. Yeah. <laughs> Secondary to that. You know. Not, not at first. first of all. Yeah. These guys are very ordinary people. They don't need to die. <laughs> That's a <Yeah>. bonus. <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah. So it sounds like gain surrender is the is the play. Yep. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're going to declare your spends. Um, and so remember, this is generally a fighting test unless you want to make an argument that you're using some yeah. other ability. And the the other ability, you can't you can't just like I'm fighting, but with athletics, right? Like it has you have to be doing something different, uh, doing something different to help the group um, using a different action if you want to use a different action. So uh, Rose, what do you think you're gonna spend? Ooh, what a good question. I'm reminded of a situation I put myself in <laughs> not, not too long ago. <laughs> um, I am going to spend, I think, I think I'm going to spend two okay. on my spend fighting. Spend two. Great. Yeah. I'm going to wave the Mikey Krennic rule at the moment because um, <laughs> I think you are, uh, fighting I think for it's life. pretty obvious why yeah. you're all fighting right now. Oh, yeah. Francis, what would you like to spend? Um, I am also going to spend, I think I'm going to do half of what I've got. I'm going to spend three. Okay. Sounds good. Just in case there's more coming. Oh, I will. I will actually ask though. Um, 
uh, Rose, what what does your fighting prowess look like? Because um, you're a pretty good fighter. Uh, so yeah. what does your prowess uh, look like? Why are you a good fighter? Um, I think that Rose is has always been like a pretty solidly built lady and is like very strong from like her time of like growing up around machines and like having to be very physical. And she's also a sculptor. So she's really good with her mallet. I think that she can throw a punch that'll nice. really Love just it. clock right through you. Yeah. Hot. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, and Francis, Francis, what's your fighting prowess look like? I'm just distracted by like the brawny sculptor lady. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's good luck. It's good luck. Um, so my like, why am I? Why am I good at fighting? I think Francis is just unexpectedly scrappy. Yeah. I think she she's got a good eye for the stuff around her that she can use and is able to like just get in there. I mean, she's got a she's got a bunch of siblings. She's right in the middle. Um, so I think she's kind of used to just jumping in. Love it. Love it. Um, Percy, how many, how much are you going to spend? I'm only going to spend one. Okay. So yeah, I I actually, I spent a lot in the previous fight. So I (laughs) am wary of using it all up just in case. So yeah, Mm -hmm. only one for me. All right. Um, and then what about you, Genevieve? I will spend two. Okay. Spending two. All right, so um, so high spends go first, which means that Francis, hmm. uh, you are, you are first. Um, so uh, in the players take their turn section, the first thing you do is describe what you're hoping to physically accomplish in the fight. And remember, this is not a single moment in the fight. This is overall in the fight. What are you hoping to accomplish? Um, what are you using? What? How does it? You know, how does it work for you? I think. Okay, so I think Francis, I think we've heard, Francis hasn't seen, but I think we have heard at this point that Genevieve has a gun. And like, gun beats cudgel. So I think Francis's priority is getting cudgels out of hands. And so I think if that, that's where her brain is going to go, especially if she's kind of the first up. So yeah, I think she is gonna swing her ever-present satchel. Satchel, yes, yes, and yes, yes. is gonna try and just like whip it and like smack right at one of the the cudgels, like right at the hand, to try and see if she can knock it out. Like a medieval mace whips yeah. around the satchel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or is it a flail? She's... I feel like I should Ooh, know that. Which is the I one with flail. the with, which flail Maybe. is the cord and the mace is the has, is just solid. Mace is just the big stick, mace is yeah, solid. spiky stick. Okay. All right. So yeah. like a medieval flail. All right. So uh, go ahead and make your fighting test with a plus three. Oh boy! Oh boy! Okay. Okay. That is a four on the die. Plus three is a seven brought out my right. fancy dice tower for this one so uh hoping that gives us some extra luck <laughs> uh so you have you have met or beaten the number so go ahead and describe what uh describe yourself successfully doing what you set out to do yeah like i think well here's my question i know you said brio was going for a cudgel but these two guys had them out yes that's correct. um so they're the immediate danger so i think she just kind of as she turned to look and saw these guys I think in the turn of her body, she used that leverage and just swung the arm that had the satchel in it, like just as a big extension of her arm and like used all of that momentum and just smacked it right into the hand of the person that was closest to her. I love it. Um, And so as you do that, the, um, the, 
cudgel flies out of that person's hand, but the other one swings down and connects the cudgel onto your arm. They're basically trying to do the same thing as you. <sighs> and so Rude. this is this is actually so these these guys uh, do have a toll. Um, yeah. So you need to remove one point from either your fighting, athletics, or health pool. Or if you don't want to do that, you can choose to take the minor injury card. That you are allowed to make that choice. No, I'll take I'll take a toll. You said it was athletics, okay. health, or or fighting. Or fighting. Um, I'm gonna take one out of athletics. Okay. All right. I Oof. Like it. All right. So then. Oh, I think she will also just say we are trying to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So then I think we'll say Rose, you are next. Okay. So uh, describe what you're hoping to accomplish, hoping to physically accomplish in this fight. Okay. So I think for Rose, um, in that moment that they're noticing Brio, like glancing up over. I think her hand is going to immediately go into her pocket where her mallet is. Mm -hmm. And I think as she, like, she swings around and she's going to try and aim for this guy's, like, jaw. Brio? Oh, no. The guy is behind them. Oh, you're going to swing around and try to hit a jaw. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, All right. So go ahead and uh, make me your fighting test as well. Plus two. Okay. Okay. Three plus two is five. All right. Uh, So that is actually a failure. Oh, no. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Do I get to use plus one to tests against Camilla's or no? A great <laughs> <Sorry>. question. <laughs> you do. Ooh. You actually, uh, so that's a six total? Yes. All right. So you do meet yeah. the difficulty number. I'll take it. Uh, so, so explain how you are successful oh, in, um, in connecting phew. with someone's jaw. Freaking out over here. <laughs> okay. First of all, sorry for not paying attention well enough good, to my It's all good. It's all good. I forgot to. <laughs> yeah. Um, how I'm successful in meeting what I said I was going to do? Or? Yes, which was, which okay. was hit someone in the jaw yeah. with their mouth. Okay. <laughs> so I think, you know, stars aligned situation. She whips around with the mallet and she just gets this guy right on the corner of his jaw. Nice. And I think, you know, a tooth or two comes flying out. <gasps> yeah. Um, and go ahead and you, so uh, you all, you still do feel Brio's cudgel come down behind you and that, that will represent the toll. So okay. you, you either have to remove one from uh, fighting, athletics, or health, or you can take the minor injury card if you choose to. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to take one away from athletics. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Um, all right, so that means Genevieve, you're up next. All right, um, I am going to try to shoot Brio in the leg. Okay. <laughs> Very leg right. focused today. I like it. Yes, I like it. I like it. <laughs> We've had success with legs. So <laughs> <laughs> and then we can make some joke about his legs and his dog's legs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, I gave you a minus one penalty uh, because you were caught unawares, so it's, this is going to be a plus one overall. Okay, here we go. Oh, no, I dropped it. Okay, <gasps> dropping right, is okay. Fine. Dropping <laughs> is okay. <laughs> Roll it again. Five, so six. 
All right. Uh, that does meet the difficulty level. Yes, um, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so go ahead and describe what that looks like. Okay, so maybe um, Genevieve was caught unaware, didn't notice the people coming up behind us, but was mm. just focused on channeling all her hatred towards Brio, this just useless person. And um, <laughs> so then when she heard commotion, she just drew her gun and aimed straight for her main target. <laughs> well, for his leg, because she didn't want to murder him. But. Of course. <laughs> and I think in the in the action scene, we see that, that there were two cudgels that were kind of moving toward Genevieve in this moment that she doesn't even notice. And nice. Francis knocks one of those cudgels out of one man's hand with her satchel, while uh, Rose connects with the other man's jaw and def- kind of deflects his, deflects his cudgel blow as well. Perfect. Uh, which just leaves Percy. Percy, you uh, describe what you're trying to achieve. <laughs> Slice his other leg off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it with keeping a, with the theme. With, with um, a rapier. <laughs> wait, so has Brio been taken care of, or got him? Uh, just, just, just describe in general whatever whatever <laughs> it is that you're trying to do is fine. Yeah, I think Percy is going to. With these two guys kind of above and like holding up their cudgels, he's gonna draw his um, um, long knife, long knife, long yes, family heirloom <laughs> knife, and you know try to just like sort of hamstring them, like like take them out at the legs too. Cool, cool, wow. I love that. Um, all right, so you just spent one, so go ahead and roll, uh, roll your die here. I rolled a six. Cool. Kicking ass and taking names. Obliterating these guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, so go ahead and describe what that looks like. <laughs> uh, I think you know Percy acts very quickly. He has those fencing instincts from his youth, which since he's nineteen was like two years ago. <laughs> um, and I think he quickly draws the blade and just turns before these guys can even react and just cuts through um, their lower leg. For to immobilize both of them, I love it. And so I think, uh, I think Genevieve, the you drew and fired so quickly that I think the kickback comes and kind of like knocks you back a little bit. Um, and so that is going to be your toll. So take one away from fighting, athletics, or health, please. Okay. Or you can take the minor injury card if you choose. I'll go with athletics. Right. All of us are really banking that there's not going to be something real yeah, heavy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Big stone we got to move. And then I think for Percy, your reactions, your reaction time is still as good as it once was, but perhaps your body, the wear and tear of your lifestyle in Paris <laughs> means that your body is not quite up to the task. And so I think as you kind of duck down to slash at the two men, you kind of roll your ankle a little bit as you do. So go ahead and um, also pay one toll or take the minor injury card. I, I think I'm going to take health. Just it feels okay. on the nose. <laughs> Even though Sounds Percy good. does not begin with a lot of health, <laughs> feels like the only way to go. Um, and so then to really follow the follow the uh, the steps here, the last step is name the victors. So when the last player has acted, their entry, uh, uh, when the last player has acted, uh, I total up the margins for each of you. And in this case, the margin does meet or beat zero. And so the group scores a victory. And then cool. it says, invite players with margins higher than zero to describe the actions they perform to def- definitively achieve it. And so uh, starting with Percy and then with Francis, explain to me how after 
one cudgel has been knocked out of one guy's hand and uh, a, a mallet to the jaw and then a shot to the leg and then a, a, a <clears throat> knife to the back of the leg. How do you effectively gain surrender from these two? So Percy first, or from these three. So Percy first, and then Francis, you can wrap up our narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think for Percy, now that these guys are like hobbled on the ground, these two big commoners that he has helped fell, I think he's kind of holding them at knife point, you know, right at, right at their throats, basically, just threatening them. Love it. And then Francis, what do you say? What do you say to to, to cap off the surrender? <laughs> I mean, I think Francis is gonna. I assume poor sweet dear Brio probably fell when his leg got shot. So I think she's gonna walk over and she's gonna put her foot on his leg where it shot, and she's gonna say, "Hell yeah, yeah." I think we're in the middle of a conversation, sir. Why don't you continue? Ooh. Ooh, damn. Oh, Francis is <laughs> she like, she's tired of taking shit. She's like, she's had a hard <laughs> couple of days. I just she had a picnic. wanted to go to the park. <laughs> I just wanted new friends. <laughs> also, side note, well done, everybody. I feel like I feel like that's <laughs> the best combat we've done so far. It's just gonna we're gonna continue to increase <laughs> oh, yeah. the quality yeah. of our combat narrative. Very well done. In the the many more combats we have ahead of us, does not bode well for those of us who have spent down our pool. Also, those were good rolls. Those were incredible rolls. Really really good rolls. That was not an easy. That was not an easy combat. Um, If we had to hit sixes, yeah, that was that was not easy. All right, so he kind of uh, Brio has uh, kind of his his teeth clenched. He's grimacing in pain. While Percy is holding the two me- the two other men at knife point, and they're you know they don't neither has a cudgel in hand, they're they've kind of they've surrendered as well. And I'm putting pressure on the wound. I'm a helping. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Fine. That's after I read the play. That's when I was visited by him. Him who? A man. He he wore a a tattered yellow robe." It looked like the robe of a ruler, of a king. But his face, it it looked like a skull. It seemed like a mask, but I'm not sure that it was. He told me that his his daughters had commenced a game meant for his amusement, and, and that by reading the play, I had unknowingly agreed to participate in the game. He laughed and said one of his daughters shared my interest in wine, and so it would be natural that I should join her faction. Like I said, I, I I didn't have a choice. Shortly thereafter, agents claiming to have come from the Red Princess contacted me and informed me that they would be using my importing business to smuggle a shipment of beasts into the city. They said first they would bring a few to confirm that the beings could be kept here undetected, and then they would bring dozens more at a time until eventually there were enough to unleash a small army of monsters on the city. Then they would wreck apocalyptic vengeance on all who dared love life as I had when my sons had lived. And then he kind of, even through the pain, like laughs this, this like laugh of, this laugh like he's given up. Like, like he knows that it's over, but it doesn't matter. And he says, dozens of the creatures are arriving tomorrow. So do with me whatever you want. The fate of Paris is already sealed. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I was just whispering to myself. Oh, no. oh, God. This is oh, like no. so deeply Me. grim. I don't know. <laughs> are those dozens the only ones that are coming? 
Or is that the first shipment of many? You saw what kind of havoc one wrecked. Oh, I'm aware. I don't know that more than dozens are necessary. Where are they coming? Are they coming here? They're set to arrive on a pair of carts from the south. They'll cross the St. Cloud Bridge and then head north through the city here. Yeah, this is just real bad. I think we're all just kind of <laughs> kind of reeling like, a little bit. Oh, <laughs> very floored by how like unmanageable this problem is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have an idea of how to deal with the immediate problem, but I don't know about the two cartloads of beasts coming our way. Well, and I don't think the other three of them know that the that no. the, that there are more creatures in the in the cast. Yes. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so I think Percy's going to turn around. He's got his knife on these guys, these goons, but I think he's just going to say, Mr. Brio, are you sure there aren't a few of those creatures here with us right now? He like almost instinctively looks over his shoulder and says, yes, yes, there are. They're they're in those casks. And I think when he says that, Rose will take like a, you know, very intense, instinctive step backward, probably, like, away from those. Um, I think she's going to look at Brio and say, the game, the game that you're talking about, did he say how to end the game? No, he didn't say anything about ending the game. I I don't think we have any control over this game. <laughs> We're just pawns. You, me, all of us. These are the opening salvos. Seems like it. What about the other daughter? Have you come across any of her people? Has anyone tried to stop you yet? No. I don't even know. I don't know who she is. I don't know her name. <laughs> Do you know the Red Princess's name? No. Oh, I should ask uh, Rose. Is there something about discarding that card? And do you want to? Um, There is, but I... I'm going to keep it. Mm. All right. She's going to keep yeah, it. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I feel like Rose is towing that line right now. So, yeah. I like it. Oh, man. You guys, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I would like to burn down the warehouse. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any way we can take 11 of these creatures. No. And it would be nice burn, to give them burn. no place to bring the others. Yeah. Definitely. True. Definitely. But it was like that. those creatures in the barrels felt like the big problem. And now that feels like the smaller yeah. problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do, I do think. Oh, unless. (laughs) We, like, stake out the warehouse until the rest of them arrive. And then. But we know where they're coming. Like, we know a spot we can find them. But she's saying burn it down after they arrive. Oh. So let them put them Mm -hmm. all in the warehouse Hmm. and then burn it down. Interesting. Do we like the risk, though? Like, what if it goes wrong and, like, half of them get out or. True. Mm -hmm. Or, like, Brio or his henchmen do something to stop us in the meantime. Right. Yeah, fair. Because uh-huh. I feel like we have them under control right now, so we could just neutralize this, sort mm-hmm. of. And then what do we do with these dummies? <laughs> Tie them up in the street. <laughs> Bring them to the gendarme. Bring them to the, no, to the, uh, the church with the, with the yeah. rest of that other creature. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I do think, like, Francis is just staring at this man in disgust. And I think she's going to dig the toe of her boot into his leg just a little more. And she's going to bend down and say, how dare you? How 
dare you take your pain, your very real and valid pain, I'm not discounting it, and turn it into this. I don't care that you say you had no choice. Sir, you could have walked off that bridge and into the water every day, and you didn't. So you had a choice. Next time, don't seek out some sort of hideous perspective-changing play. Can I suggest a still life? Can I suggest writing a pretty poem? You had options. You didn't have to go toward running toward the most dangerous thing you could find. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic, sir. And I think she's going to grind her boot in a little more and then just walk off towards her friends and keep this planning session going. Before you walk off, um, as you kind of grind your foot in, he like grimaces in pain and he kind of turns it into like a toothy smile and you see that he's got got blood all in his mouth um, that is kind of, you know, coming up into his throat. And he just he just smiles and laughs and then spits the blood on your face. Charming. <laughs> Luckily, she has a handkerchief that smells beautifully <laughs> of perfume. And she's going to wipe herself off and throw it on his body. All right. So, yes, okay. I quite like the idea of burning this place to the ground. I do think the question <laughs> is when. Yeah. I assume Let's we have it. like, you know, a torch or a lantern mm-hmm. or something like that. Sure. Mm hmm. I mean, in Francis's giant bag, right? Like she probably carries <laughs> like a stuff. flint or whatever. I got yeah. stuff. But what about the the pipeline of creatures coming through? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, do we want to? They come up over a bridge, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. How are we gonna? Because I feel like we need to get rid of the people who are transporting them as well. I mean, we don't know that it's necessarily like there aren't like more people. Like, I don't know how long this supply chain of creatures is, but that would be. Well, and if the know. if the point was to use this business to distribute mm-hmm. them in the city, I think getting rid of this distribution point is going to be mm-hmm. hugely yeah. effective. Mm-hmm. I and think it, it will make their lives harder. Mm-hmm. It's going to slow it down. It's going to whoever these agents of this red princess are, who I think we all have a pretty good idea who that probably is. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to give them second thoughts if nothing else and bias time so we think like burning down the warehouse and then maybe trying to like find where these people are coming from or what's the and maybe like try and intercept like try and do something while they're en route tomorrow mm-hmm. I yeah mean, i think we should at least see them en route yeah yeah it is because it, it, there's something very satisfying right about getting it all in one place but it's i mean it's so true that anything could happen the longer we wait mm-hmm. and that does make me nervous yeah and i feel like that like you know these people are are very all-knowing so mm-hmm. i feel like once we burn this warehouse down someone's gonna come looking for you know brio and yeah. his henchmen and probably us and can we so. can we do a controlled burn it's a big warehouse could we just get a nice little bonfire in the middle and um, not let the rest of the building burn and just take care of these friends. Well, no, we want to destroy the whole business, don't we? That's part two. Because if we can take out what's in here, then perhaps they'll still come here tomorrow. Oh, but that I might be see. too hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the thing I like about it now is that we, we're like here, we have the guys yeah. tied up, we're firmly in control. Like they could show up tomorrow with a bunch of mm-hmm. henchmen or... Yeah something i feel like it just complicates 
it would be kind of hard to like trigger this yeah. without unforeseen consequences, which we may have this time too. Who knows? I am concerned about what we will do with these hostages. I mean, those two, and she's going to point towards the, the two cudgel men. Those are the hired help. I think they were doing an unsavory job, but I don't think they necessarily need to roast with the beasties. That one, on the other hand, and she kind of gestures towards Brielle. Honestly, I'm not that invested in his well-being. <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to... Nor, nor wanna, am I. I don't want to... I don't know. I don't know if he needs to burn. That's not a very pleasant way to go. Well, we could shoot him first. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt, I quite like the way you approach problems. <laughs> Direct to the point. <laughs> um... Yeah. So, so are we thinking then, like, burn the warehouse down, maybe drop those two hench guys off at the gendarme so we know that they're not, like, wandering around. Mm-hmm. But then, like, we keep Brio with us. If we drop case, them like, at the gendarme, like, what do we, yeah. like, how do they know that they're criminals? Like, we just drop them off and be like, hey, these two guys, they look like henchmen. Well, Take we could be like, wouldn't you agree? You know, um, <laughs> they got that look. <laughs> After yeah. we have what? just like stabbed them, <laughs> you're 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 Percy Vanderbilt. You're telling me you can't come up with a good story That's for the true. for the gendarme. I was gonna good say story, they're not gonna bribe. take that. Yeah. Plus, like, wasn't when that when you were at the park and that creature attacked? Didn't that creature attack somebody else before it attacked you? Like, hmm. couldn't you be like, oh, it was this guy, these guys, you know? <gasps> frame just, like, them. You know? Yeah, you just frame them, right? Mm. These guys ripped someone's arm <laughs> off. They're <laughs> quite threw it in the river. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You could okay, you could probably get Dr. Landry to go along with that. You guys are pals, so. Yeah. It's true. This looks just like a ripped arm. <laughs> <laughs> the poetry yeah, of the rip. It is yeah. uh, incredible. I'm I'm down to mm-hmm. tie all these guys up and bring them to the gendarme after we burn down their warehouse. Yeah. And if these if these agents with the second delivery are coming from outside the city, they're not going to necessarily know what the the state of this warehouse is before they get here. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think that someone will come looking for Brio before. Hmm. I I I feel like someone will find him. Like, but I don't know. I think someone's probably watching the warehouse. There's probably they've got sources. They've got lots of people working for them, but. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I just think we're going to be in hot water once we do. Is Genevieve uh-huh. promoting killing Brio? <laughs> uh, she is not, she's not like, she's not like, I don't think super into murder. That's not like one of her, <laughs> you know, hobbies. Special interest. Like she really doesn't like him. And I think she could be convinced. She's thinking about it. She's weighing the possibility. Okay. I mean... I have to say there's a bit of an appeal of just locking him away forever in some sort of poorly run asylum. Mm. <laughs> uh-huh. Tragic state of mental health in uh, 1890s Paris yeah. is perhaps a benefit. That's true. If one is looking to take someone out of the picture. Hmm. We could probably make that happen. He might be a little crazy. He, he might be a little crazy. He read that play. And who knows, maybe That's they have some actual decent grief counseling. You never know. <laughs> Friendly nurse. All right. So we think tonight, we think burn, burn it all. 
Yeah. Burn it down. Let's do it. Frame two of them, commit the other. Yeah. (laughs) What do you do about shipment two? Well, I think, think yeah, you can pick that up. I think you can pick that up um, after you after you Mm. complete the first task. Um, I am going to need a. I think I'm going to need a preparedness check and a sneaking check. The preparedness check to make sure that you have everything you need to do a well, uh, you know, a well produced flame. Yeah. And a sneaking check to make sure that you are able to do it without anyone seeing you. Um. Um, I only I do... need one preparedness check and then the sneaking check, unless one person is lighting the f- lighting the flame and then getting away, is going to need to be some sort of like cooperation or piggyback. I will say that I do still have the ability to pull something out of my satchel. How many how many boxes do you have left? I so here's the thing. I know I took one for the perfume. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned taking one to have a second sack. So no, that's, I don't know. you don't need to do that. Okay, so <laughs> then technically I I've only take I've only used one. All right, if you check them both off, I will say that you have what you need to start a fire. Let's do it. Nice. Okay. Matches, more handkerchiefs. Mm-hmm. Hey, that perfume is absolutely flammable. Oh, baby, we got this. Yep. <laughs> so who is starting the fire? Is there anyone that's not going to be around that is gonna that is not going to be a part of the doing it sneakily? I only have one in sneaking left. Me too. Mm, I have none. <laughs> so I Uh-oh. feel like maybe Rose shouldn't be there. Um, can, like, I have no can sneaking. Percy take, take the guys oh, no. outside with his knife point, and, like yeah. march them into the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, does that require sneaking? Can no, that's fine. Can Genevieve take the guy uh-huh. by, at gunpoint? The other yeah. guy, sure. Although, but the other two don't have sneaking, so it should be one of us because we at least have one. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. dang. Okay, Percy does seem the type to handle a task like this, so I, yeah. I guess he'll make. He'll do the sneaking. Okay. Um, so then Francis, Rose, and Genevieve take the three men outside, lead them away, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. to the gendarme. Uh, one, you're going to convince somebody to commit him to the asylum. Uh-huh. And Percy, you're in the warehouse by yourself. Uh. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what? Do you, tell me what you do. I think Percy is just going to... Is there any particularly high proof wine or <laughs> liquor or anything in this warehouse? Yeah, there's probably some some decently high proof wine. So I think he's gonna like smash up a couple bottles of that, pour a little bit on these uh, barrels <laughs> that the creatures are in, just try to get things going a little bit. Get him a little drunk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then I think he's gonna back towards the door we had where he has like a quick path out and use the materials that francis had to light the fire all right and so you do that you pour some wine around you pour some on the barrels you light a match flick it and you see the barrels start to kind of light up as uh as the flame spreads along the alcohol and you rush out of the building and in your head you just you have one image that's kind of remaining which is the markings on the casks from the barrel, uh, for the, the casks where you believe these creatures are. And it says that they, are, they all came from a particular winery in Burgundy, the Chateau de Camilla Rouge. And that is where our story is going to end for now. Oh, boy. Oh, oh that's fun. <laughs> I love it. Time to take the show on the road. Let's go to Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> 
This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the nature of my game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>